On this edition of the Seaco Sports Forum podcast, we've got as our special guest host, Mike Murphy, an old friend of the show, who is the Associate Athletic Director of Marketing Communications at UNH for the Wildcats. Mr. Murphy, welcome back. Sure, and thank you. This, if I'm not mistaken, will be the first time I've been elevated to the role of guest co-host, so thank you for the honor. Yeah, well, hey, you, you're you a knowledgeable guy about sports in general, but we'll, we'll focus the start of the show, anyway, uh, about UNH. Let's start off with the big news story that came up last week. Sure. Brand new basketball coach at UNH, uh, 21st in the history of the program, which goes back 120 years. But Nathan Davis was introduced on Good Friday. It was actually a press conference that was pulled together for April 7th. And Nathan Davis had been the head coach at Bucknell of the Patriot League for eight years, reached a couple of NCAA tournaments, and I think most people who watch this, diehard Seacoast sports fans, realize that's something that's eluded the University of New Hampshire is that trip to March Madness. And now there's a head coach who has done it before, much like Bill Herrien when he came in. He had been to the NCAA tournament in his previous stop, uh, 18 years, did a wonderful job winning his coach in the history of the conference, winning his coach in the history of UNH. But now uh, we move in a different direction under the watch of Coach Davis. Were you surprised, shocked at how it all shook out for the final four and then uh, how, how the finals went? The finals I was not surprised about because UConn really had been beating people at a pretty serious clip during the course of the tournament. But yes, the final four, would I have picked those teams? Certainly not. Uh, so many great stories. And I know the ratings are down by the time you get to the final four because I think generally speaking, people like the upsets in the opening weekend but then they want to see the names they know when it gets down right. to the Elite Eight and Final Four. Well, not me, Sherm. I love the most more chaos, the better. So yeah. to see a San Diego State or a Florida Atlantic, uh, give me more of that. I, I think it's fantastic to see those type of schools making a run. Oh, yeah. And fairly Dickinson, you know, pulling an upset in the first round. And then uh, our friends in Vermont, the Catamounts. Uh, now, maybe next year we can push them out and put the Wildcats in that position. That would be nice, or a position in that in, in one of those brackets. The it, it, yeah, it's, it can happen. Magic can happen. Well, Fairleigh Dickinson's a great example. They literally should not have been there. They lost their conference tournament to Merrimack, but because Merrimack was ineligible for whatever reason, the NCAA says you're still transitioning from D two to D one. You can't go to the tournament yet. So Fairleigh Dickinson, the runner-up right. in the NEC, goes and then pulls off the biggest upset in the history of the tournament by beating Purdue in the opening round. Yeah, it was that was that was. I don't think anybody had a bracket that was intact after the second day. Yeah, as somebody who doesn't, I stopped throwing those brackets out. I, I, I realized how boring I was telling people. Hey, I had that on my bracket, so I, I try not to be that guy anymore. And 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 before we go back to the guys, let's go to the, the ladies. Uh, the outcome there, South Carolina was almost ordained the finals and the championship, and then guess what? It was a, an Iowa team that kind of surprised them uh, and got into the into the finals against LSU. What about that that uh, final? Yeah, I really enjoyed the rise of Caitlin Clark. Yeah, I, I was familiar with the name. And I'm going to get wrong probably the game I was watching. Iowa against maybe it was Louisville. This is probably Sweet 16. Yeah. I'm watching the game. And all of a sudden seeing Steph Curry 2.0 taking these deep threes. Oh, yeah. But then there was a point in the game where Iowa had 28 points. 
and Clark was responsible for either scoring or assisting on 25 of them. Yeah. Because her passes were like Pete Maravich, her shootings like Steph Curry. I was like, this is somebody who I it's just captured my attention. You got it. Uh, I don't care what level of basketball it is. That was amazing to see. And then when they that team upset South Carolina and made it to the championship game. But in LSU, you know, the other that, that's why, you know, the story history is told by the winners. So as great a story as Iowa was, you know what? LSU, that was their moment, their first championship. And that was great to see, too. Exactly. And and it, it just that that uh, I think it was that same game you're talking about when I when I saw that Iowa team in that game, I went, wow. And I was impressed. I, matter of fact, I, I we were talking about it on a show right after that. And I said, yep, yeah, uh, the coach was with me that show. And he says, I'm going to go with uh, South Carolina. No exceptions. I said, watch out for that Iowa team. <laughs> Those Hawkeyes. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? And, and, you know, for years I cheered against them, the Yukon Huskies and Gino Ariema. Oh yeah. They made it look so easy mm-hmm. all those years you take for granted South Carolina is the best team, but everyone's aiming for you. There's so much pressure on the number one team. And for UConn to have won and won and won all those years, truly a marvel. And now we've gone to a point where UConn coming back next year would be an underdog because the, 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 the sport is caught up and you can have upsets for the longest time. You just wouldn't see the same kind of upsets deep into the tournament on the women's side that we do in the men's. Now we've gotten there where there is that intrigue. You can see different schools win. And as a result, sports fans are tuning in. Like we're, we're mesmerized by the women's tournament and the women's March Madness because we love that high level of competition. And I was happy the way ESPN kind of piggybacked it with the CBS's coverage or the multi-networks that did the, the men's tournament. But CBS in particular, and and it you know kept the flow going. It used they didn't say okay, ladies, you're going to go two weeks ahead or a week ahead or a week behind. They were you know concurrent, so that made it more exciting. You know, yeah, I don't know what you do. Right, March is so crazy. There are some times where you're watching one or the other. You can't watch right. Even though I'm a guy who has three screens at home, and I say <laughs> if you don't have three screens, you're not doing it right. I can't watch one game anymore in my age, but. <laughs> Even that case, you're, something takes a back seat. There's too many events going on at once. But to your point, I think what you're trying to say is like, by the time you get to the final four, all right, well, we've got Friday, Sunday for the women, right. and then Saturday, Monday exactly. for the men. Perfect. It flows. I can take it all in. Yeah, it flows. You know, Somebody isn't taking a back seat to the other. It's kind of just flowing right along. It makes it a nice weekend. <laughs> and I'll say this. I prefer that Sunday afternoon, 3.30 time frame for the women's championship game. Because by the time the men's game tipped off at 9.20 on Monday night, guess who was asleep? I know. I know. That is the one disadvantage of, of, of network coverage of just about all sports now. It's just, it, because of, obviously, the, the time differential from the East and West Coast and, and the, the sponsorships uh, dominating You know when they start up games, whether it's the, the basketball or Super Bowl or World Series, whatever it is. Yeah, you're right. And it does make it hard for people my age. <laughs> I catnap during games. <laughs> well, I'm I'm of the rare variety, I presume, but I love the first weekend of the NCAA tournament more than the championship game. I love New Year's Day bowl games more than the national championship game because yeah. I enjoy the multitude of games, the excitement of things getting started. Heck, opening day in baseball, I like better than the World Series most of the time because it's now with the new rules, I may go back to baseball, but the long games in October – 
really lost me over the last 10 years. Oh, I agree with you. I agree with you there. And back to the multi-screen thing, that's the one thing that drives my wife totally insane is that I have DirecTV and they have a special channel, whatever the event is, usually for the March Madness or uh, like they just had it for uh, the Masters Tournament where they have multiple screens, multiple shots, multiple whatever, network coverage. And uh, she'll say, can't you just watch one game? <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> no way. No way. Exactly. And I don't have one of these 70-inch mammoth TVs that I think most people strive to have. I have a pretty modest size one as my main screen and then two smaller monitors that simply are, I stream everything. Because if you have yeah. if you watch one on cable, you're going to be ahead yeah, and you're going to have spoilers on the other two TVs. So you have to try to match it all up and then just veg out and watch <laughs> three things at once. I think four is too many, Sherm, but three, I can keep right. close tabs on, on, on what's happening. Well, let's get back to the Wildcats and basketball. Uh, player portal. That's a big topic with all sports in college. Now, um, do you see, the new coach going to that portal and, and seeing what's out there and, and try to get uh, rebuild the team or, or what, what, what's your take? You have to, it happened to Bill Harrion and the staff last year. It'll happen to most staffs in America East this year. The transfer portal is here. It's here to stay. And there's constantly opportunity. There's opportunity for the players to go elsewhere who want to. And there's opportunity for coaches to look around at the hundreds dare I say, maybe a thousand names in some case of players who are in this portal. Now, last year, the Wildcats brought in Jackson Baker, who had been at Central Arkansas. He became a captain. Nazim Derry came in from Goldie Beacom. That's Division Two. Kyrie Brown came in from Seattle. And Matt Harazmi came in. I mean, we had Trey Woodyard from Valparaiso. Matt Harazmi came in. He became a captain. And he transferred in. It's just what the game is now. You'd love to have that Duke Blue Devil UNLV rivalry where back-to-back -back years, you know, players on both teams. But that's not what basketball is. Uh, at the highest level, they're transferring. And at the mid-major level, you know, Clarence Daniels came out of nowhere from a junior college, had one of the best seasons I've ever seen a UNH basketball player have. And where he's still here, but I've seen about a dozen to 20 schools tied in as quote unquote showing interest in Daniels. So it's 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 difficult. I can't imagine being a coach now and trying to build a program convincing people to stay when there's the draw and allure of what else is out there constantly. Explain to the, the layperson how the portal works. So when the transfer portal opens and there are certain dates where it opens for different sports, once it opens, you can ask for your release. You can talk to the compliance office at your school and say, I'd like to enter the portal. Ideally, you tell your head coach and have a conversation with her or him so they know where you stand, where they stand. I think sometimes someone goes in the portal, it's suggested by the coaches. And oftentimes it's the player who wants to go somewhere else. So once your name is in the portal, that frees up any other school theoretically to reach out to you and say, why don't you think about coming to our school? But that can be overwhelming. It can be overwhelming when you're a top prospect at 18 years old looking to go to college. If you have a tough freshman year, maybe not playing enough, there you know that's out there. But it could be musical chairs as well. You don't know if the choice you make is going to be a good one or a bad one. Um, and it's you hope it works out and you have a great time. And we've had some good success stories who have done just that. But you also read about somebody who goes, oh, yeah, that was a star player. 
for UNH last year. Where did he go? Oh, this school and go, wow, the numbers are way down. Like you don't know. You don't know what, what the circumstances are, but it's it's such an available option that it didn't used to be so easy. It used to be if you wanted to transfer, you had to sit out a whole year. And that's a long time for someone that age to not be playing competitively. Now, at least the first time you transfer, you have the ability to play right away, be eligible right away. Others, if you do it more than once, you go back to sitting out. But it just changed the whole landscape of the sport immediately. And this is only two years in. It will it'll adapt. I think we'll see fewer names as you go along. But right now we don't. Now there's tons of names. It's hockey or football or basketball who are in the portal and going somewhere else. So basically it's the wild, wild west uh, when it comes to that. I mean, it's something that not just UNH, but all schools are going to have to kind of adapt to and come up with a game plan to help, you know, get get some of that talent they need for their teams, right? Yeah, you can't afford to say, I'm not going to go to the transfer portal as a coach. That'd be insane. You have to be, it's here. You have to adapt and go find players. And and that's what UNH did pretty successfully, I think, this year. Made it all the way to the semifinals with a whole new team. Nick Johnson was the one star player who came back from last year's team. And now Nick Johnson, after graduating, he's moving on. He has an extra year of eligibility, and he's gone to the portal to try somewhere else. So you do see Chase Stevenson from our hockey team, who was a captain. He got through four years. He's graduating. He's transferring, going to Merrimack College. So it's it's part of the game. Um, David Fessenden was a goaltender in Alabama Huntsville, transferred to UNH for a few years. Now he's transferring again to UMass. It's the way of the sport. Well, you brought up you brought the hockey team um we, before we started the record uh, today we were talking about uh, the championship the national championship in uh, quinnipiac the bobcats uh I, I don't know maybe people knew they were going to get there but i was kind of surprised and they made it to the finals against minnesota and uh what about you uh i wasn't shocked i mean First of all, New Hampshire guy, Rand Pecknold, Manchester West graduate. Uh, good to see him because Quinnipiac has been to the finals before, lost a couple of times in the championship. So I like to see the two Eastern teams, Quinnipiac and Boston University, because the Big Ten was getting a lot of publicity, deservedly so. Minnesota, Michigan, they were in the Frozen Four. Didn't seem to really get challenged at their – I shouldn't say they didn't get challenged, but the Big Ten was so dominant in their respective regionals it was good to see Quinnipiac get that chance, pulling the goalie late during a power play, down by a goal, and it it paid off. They scored that goal to force overtime, and then you can't get any better. A goal to be scored 10 seconds in to overtime, perfectly played. It wasn't an accidental goal, right? Hockey, so many times you see a deflection or a dirty goal or an accidental offense. This play was executed perfectly right off the jump of that face-off. And what a great way to win a national championship. I want to move on to the football season uh, coming up, and and, and in particular, uh, the annual spring blue-white game, Team Wild versus Team Cats. Um, give us a, a thumbnail of what you're seeing in the spring workouts for the uh, Wildcat team. I like how you bring up the Team Wild versus Team Cats because that's how we bill it if you come and sit in the crowd. It's a Friday night game, so first time it's been under the lights. The Team Wild and the Team Cats is a complete fabrication by people like me who want to show the fans a score, right? Any football game or any event, you want to see a score. But in reality, it is the offense 
against the defense the entire time. It's just a chance to see a lot of the young players get some reps. I think we'll see the standout players for a little bit. Max Brosmer at quarterback, one of only two QBs on the roster right now, along with freshman Barry Kleinpeter. But there'll be no contact. They'll be wearing the red non-contact jerseys. Dylan Lauby, who led the nation in all-purpose yards a year ago. Hopefully we see a little bit of him, but I wouldn't expect to see a lot of the ones. I think you'll see a lot of the younger players who we're not as familiar with just to see what they can do in live game situations. There will be a clock in running for a while, but when Coach Santos decides, all right, we've done 25 plays, we're taking half, then we take a break. They may then do some drills because it is a practice ultimately. And it's a great because football fans get a chance to see the team, but it's not quite the real, real thing, right? That we are can't wait to see when the first home game is played September 16th in the Granite Bowl when Dartmouth comes to Wildcat Stadium. I, I see good things ahead. Let's put it that way. Uh, I think a lot of the student athletes that are part of that team now, uh, I, I use the phrase buying in to Coach Santos's philosophy. And I think, uh, I, like I say, I, I see nothing but good things ahead for the program in the years to come. Oh, man, you think about the bookends at defensive end, right? With Josiah Silver on one side and Flex Ruiz on the other, simply dynamic playmakers. So great to see. And then Lauby and Brosmer. But like Caleb Burke was starting to come on as a wide receiver. Haran Morriso transferred last year from UConn. He's back for another year of eligibility. Offensive line is pretty intact. Patrick Flynn graduated, but they bring back most of the rest with other. They look bigger. They look stronger. The skill players look faster. Zidane Williams has moved from linebacker to safety to help offset the Pop Bush graduation. Charles Briscoe, a starting wide receiver for three years. He's now a defensive back which he had to do during the Fordham playoff game. All of a sudden, he became a defensive back that week in the NCAA playoffs, and now he's fully transitioned over. So a lot of things to look for as football gets going. We're only in spring, but you know what? Summer will go like this, and before you know it, it's football season. We'll be teeing it off in September. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I am too. I'm not one to wish my summer away because I don't think you are either, but uh, there's something about it when you, the weather is finally warmed up and to see all the different teams, our soccer teams were out practicing, our lacrosse team is still going strong here. I know we have graduation coming, but yeah, the anticipation of building up for the fall, high school sports, college sports, it is my favorite time of year. So even though we're not there yet, uh, I'm excited for when we do get there. And what about any spring sports uh, news from some of the teams, the Wildcat teams over there? Well, lacrosse is in, in track and field are the ones going on now. The lacrosse team has a few more home games left. What is strange is right after the April 14th spring game, there's a home lacrosse game on the 15th at 1 o'clock against Bryant. Then there's another game scheduled for Tuesday the 18th. That's a makeup from a postponement from February as Central Connecticut State is here. I can't even tell you where that game is being played because the, the track at the stadium is being redone. And so the field will be off limits. The Wildcat Stadium field, maybe by the time people are, are listening, there'll be a summer project. So the entire track is being redone. By the time we get back for the fall, that track will be Wildcat colors, the uh, the blue and silver of UNH instead of the red that it is now. State-of-the-art surface, because you know we host uh, high school championships here. People use that track all the time. So an exciting time. The tennis courts were rebuilt last year 
Those are wildcat colors now. The track will be wildcat colors. So it's all about branding, Sherm, as we get that. Well, it's important, but it's also pride. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're proud, proud of the proud of the colors. You're you're wearing the colors. You're working on the colors. You know, that's that's the only thing I don't want to see us do is go to blue turf. <laughs> I can assure you that's not in the plans. But what happens is the bad news is during the, the construction, pardon our appearance, teams like the football team will have to, you know, they'll, they'll get their blue-white game in, but the lacrosse team's end of the season will have to move over to one of the other fields, probably Tucker Field, to finish up the regular season. And, you know, from there, when there's camps in the summertime, there will be some a little bit of headaches, but it's worth the wait as we get ready for next fall. It'll be an exciting fall and uh, all good things coming up. I, I want to touch on this before we go to the two-minute drill. Uh, there was a, a, a championship down in Florida for the uh, cheerleading team. How about that, right? That was, That's a great story yeah. that Scott Rigoli and Brad Berlamacci, the coaches, they, and you know, Sherman, in my office, I have the 2017 NCA NDA championship trophy that I always and the cheerleaders they're not a varsity sport they don't have scholarships but they are such a big part of the spirit of our events amen all and basketball especially but in in and around that they train all year for the nationals at daytona beach and they went out there and they won three championships they won at the all girls top level then they had an intermediate level team and then the next day they came back and won the grand championship so uh, greatest season in cheerleading history at UNH. Great recognition at WMUR. I did a story on them and very proud of our, our cheer Wildcats. Two-minute drill time. I don't know, sir, what you have anything you want to throw out on the table about any sports, whether it's UNH or, or regional or whatever. I guess I'll go with UNH, you know, be, being so close to the situation, seeing Bill Harry and, uh, and this Chris Moore and Ryan Harry and leave, it's tough. You're, 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 you're friends with these people. You know the work that the men's basketball team has put in. And the last few years have been very good, I think. I think most a lot of fans were happy. On the other side, you understand where the goal is to get to March Madness. And Coach Harry in 18 years didn't get there. No one got there before him either. Not Jerry Friel, not Jim Boylan, not Kim Chapman, not Phil Rowe, not Jeff Jackson. Never has UNH been to the championship game. So you understand why. Dr. Allison Rich, athletic director, making the decision to bring in her own coach. And Nathan Davis wish him nothing but luck and success. He's coached 14 years. He's been named coach of the year five times in his career. He's been to two NCAA tournaments. You got to admit, getting someone with that kind of background to come to Durham, New Hampshire, and try to do what has never been done before, it's a tall task. But uh, Coach Davis, I met him briefly at the press conference, came across as very impressive. And looking forward to see what the new era will be. We, you know, we when Coach Mack left, Coach Santos was new, and you know, I'm not saying that's going to be the immediate result, but you have to embrace change when it happens. And ultimately, we're all cheering for the Wildcats. So, Coach Davis, I wish the best of luck, and I can't wait to see what Bill Harrion does next because I know he has more coaching in his future too. The two-minute drill. I wanted to ask you. I'll, I'll throw this out, and just you can give me your opinion if you have one about it. Uh, as we record this, uh, this is the weekend coming up. Uh, people are preparing for the marathon, the Boston Marathon, and it goes off on Monday on Patriots Day. Uh, one thing that kind of disturbed me, I, I'm I'm all for anybody that has 
the ability to run one of those marathons. And I know uh, Kevin Skorupa from Channel 9 is doing it, and a few friends have done it in the past. But what I don't like is hearing that these betting companies that are out there now wanted to start betting on the Boston Marathon. I, I mean, when I heard that, luckily, they turned it down. The, the BAA said, no, nah, no, nah, we don't need this. Uh, what was your take when you heard that? Well, I'll just give my overall take on gambling. I'm very fortunate that I work at a college that forbids me from doing it because when I was younger, I'd bet on things, right? I told you earlier, I don't even fill out a bracket anymore. So much of sports consumption is about odds and gambling. And I, I think it detracts from the, my enjoyment as a sports fan if I have a little something, something on a game. Want no part of that. And I, it doesn't seem right that something as pure as the Boston Marathon is also being sucked into the world of wagering. I, I'm just not a fan of it. Some sports, you just don't go there. And, and running is one in particular. I can see why would you why would you want to do it? You know, I don't know. It's yes. If you win, you should be happy. If you lose, you should be disappointed. You shouldn't say, well, at least we covered or we hit the over under. Like that's not the way I right. was brought up watching sports. And I don't like to see that's the direction it's gone. And that's the one thing about uh, track in particular, you're going after your personal best. And those people, the thousands that will be out there, the majority of them know that they're not going to finish in a record time. They're not going to be at the top of the pack. They just want to finish. <laughs> that's their goal. Exactly. Rupa was saying that he's just prepping to get it done. <laughs> and God love them. And the people who do it for charity, those, there again, that's another thing. You know, uh, that's the positive end of it. If people want to give money to the charity for somebody, that's that's okay. That's good. That's good stuff. Well, my friend, uh, I really appreciate you coming in today and uh, guest hosting with us. And uh, you'll be busy for the next few weeks uh, before school wraps up. I know you, you're busy uh, doing grandpa duties, too. <laughs> can never get enough joy of hanging out with my guy up in Littleton. Uh, being a pop-pop is the greatest job I've ever had a chance to be lucky enough to have. And looking forward to more good weather to take that young guy outside. Well, I, I tell you what, uh, spend every moment you can with him. And and as we've discussed before, just keep talking. You and I are communicators. We love to talk. <laughs> just ask our wives. <laughs> <laughs> they stopped listening and he, he can't talk back yet. So it's actually a good captive audience. Yeah. There you go. Well, Mike Murphy, uh, again, I'll give you titles, uh, the Associate Athletic Director of Marketing Communications for the UNH Wildcats. Uh, thank you for always coming on board and thanks for co-hosting today. And uh, we'll be touching base soon. And uh, before you know it, like I say, the season for football will be here and uh, we'll be at the Wildcat, the new improved Wildcat Stadium. Durham, thank you for the opportunity to be on Seacoast Sports Forum. Always a pleasure. Before we wrap up, I just want to remind you, if you're enjoying the Seco Sports Forum podcast, make sure you tell your friends about it. And if you're on YouTube or Facebook, make sure you follow us and or subscribe. Hit that little bell so that you get the latest editions of the podcast. And uh, tell your friends we're on all the major podcast platforms. The more people we get to listen to us, the better. And we appreciate your comments, too. You can always send any comments about the podcast to Seco Sports Forum at Yahoo.com. So on behalf of Mike Murphy, this is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seco Sports Forum podcast.